Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I want to just continue our conversation that we started last week. This is Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Just a few verses, but I believe that God is going to speak to you in an incredible way today. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, it says, They, this is Jesus and his disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He, Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, everyone say once more. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. I wanna take just these four verses today and I wanna preach from the subject, gradual gains. Gradual gains, gradual gains. When I was um, growing up, my mom had a tradition. I don't know if any of you guys had a mom who had the same tradition, but every year, uh, she would mark and measure our height. Did anyone, anyone ever, anyone have this? Um, we had this pantry growing up that my mom would take us on the inside of the pantry and on the, on the backside of the, of the pantry door, she would take a Sharpie marker and she would have, all, my brothers and I, there was four of us, she would have us stand up to the door and then she would take the Sharpie marker and she would just mark and date how tall we were. And I remember like growing up, it was always like a moment, you know, my brother who's three years older than me, and I've got another brother who's three years younger than me, then I've got another brother who's six years younger than me, but we would all come in there and we would all want to see how much we had grown from the previous year. And, and truth be told, it began to be such a beautiful visual of what healthy growth looks like. Because when I look back at that wall, you could see all of the different markers and you could see all the different moments with the dates. What you would notice about the growth was that the growth was simply gradual. Yeah. Almost every year, you would just get taller just by a little. I think there was one year where, you know, I think maybe I hit puberty and, you know, an armpit hair came and I grew another extra inch or so. But for the most part, it was just little by little. For the most part, it was just gradual gains. I wonder today if we could take this analogy for a second and if we could apply it to our faith. Because truth be told, this is how your faith grows. This is actually what your faith looks like, that you just grow gradually. I think there's a lot of people today that they're struggling in their faith. And the reason why they're struggling is because as they look at their journey of faith, what they look at is they say, yo, this doesn't seem to be happening as fast as I would have hoped it would have happened. There's a lot of people that look at their life today and when they think about faith, all of the words associated with faith are words like suddenly or supernatural or phenomenal or exponentially. <laughs> And because these are the only set of words that you've attached to faith, 
you have developed the wrong picture. And now today you are struggling. In many cases, you're disappointed with God. You're frustrated with yourself. In many cases, you're offended with other people. Why? Because ultimately, it's just not happening fast enough. I just, it's not going at the pace I would have hoped it would have gone at. Uh, I still don't have my degree. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for the perfect someone to come into my life. We haven't been able to conceive. We've been trying a long time, but there's still no baby. I'm still waiting on a promotion. The bills keep on coming. Why am I still controlled by my schedule? How come my money is still funny? <laughs> my miracles passed me by. My moment has gone. I am stuck. I'm still in the exact same place. Oh, I just wish today, some of you who are listening to the sound of my voice, I just wish your faith had a pantry door measuring stick. Because the truth of the matter is, when I go back to my childhood, most of the time, I would not have even known I was growing if I hadn't had a measuring stick to show me. Because when you grow, it's gradual. When you become, it's just little by little. Some of you out there today, you don't think you've grown at all. But I just wish I could take you to the back of that pantry door and I just wish you could see all of the marks of maturity. I just wish you could see all of the ways of how you've grown and how you've become since it started. You are not who you used to be. You have come a long, long way. If you could just take a moment and see how far you have come, you might step back and say, I am growing gradually. In fact, say that out loud. Say, I'm growing gradually. Someone say, I'm growing gradually. It's called gradual gains. When you grow, you don't even know you're growing. If you didn't actually take time to reflect and look back, you would never know how far you've actually come. It's J.R.R. Tolkien who is the author of The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, books I loved reading growing up. But he said it this way. He says, little by little, one travels far. You see, everyone prays for miracles, but don't be disappointed when the change comes gradually. See, playing the long game, this big thesis statement that we're working with, what it means is, is it means to trust the process or to celebrate the process. Not all of God's miracles are immediate. Some are progressive. Some happen not overnight. Some actually just happen over time. In fact, today, the text that we're looking at it is a powerful story of what I would call a gradual miracle. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, is a powerful picture of what it looks like to gain gradually. It is a miracle in motion. It is a phenomenon in process. It is 
slow grow. It is gradual gains. I believe today it's going to help you because if you're here today and you're going, it just hasn't happened fast enough or it hasn't happened quick enough, I think Mark chapter 8 is the story of a gradual miracle. And maybe your miracle is coming, but maybe it's just happening gradually. Let's look at this text today. Let's just walk through it verse by verse if we can. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, they, this is Jesus and his disciples, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. So I want you to get the picture. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus has just finished feeding 4,000 people. He has gotten into a boat with his disciples and he's headed to the other side to a village known as Bethsaida. And when he gets onto the land, a group of people just known as some people, show up with a man who is blind and they begin to beg Jesus. They start begging Jesus, will you touch him? Will you heal him? And I just love the story so much because I think it operates as a beautiful visual aid. The visual aid being is that we have no idea who these people are, but these people, they actually want to see this man get healed that they bring him to Jesus. I wonder today, do you understand the role that you are playing that every one of us have an opportunity to bring others to Jesus? In fact, if you could be honest today, every one of us in this room at Silver Spot, watching on YouTube, if you were to look back on your salvation story, if you were to recount your conversion moment, of course Jesus gets all of the glory. But I would almost guarantee every single one of us would have to point out some people that played a part in us meeting Jesus. It's just, it's how it happens. It's just, there's some other people that we have to thank. There's, there's, there's a friend who brought us to church. There's a coworker who listened to us and who loved us. There was a spouse who was gracious to us while we were running. There was a song that melted us, a book that captured us. Maybe there was a grandma who didn't stop praying for you. Come on, anybody thankful for that grandmother out there who just kept on believing, kept on praying, kept on loving? I wonder today, do you understand the power you have? Do you understand that as the church, we are the vehicle that brings people to Jesus? Please listen to me loud and clear. God works with people. God picks people to bring people to Jesus. I suppose the question that all of us have to answer today that are in God's house, that are a part of Voo Church, is simply this. Are you living for titles or testimonies? Are you living for titles or are you living for testimonies? Because the only title this group of people get is it's not a title of glamour. In fact, they're anonymous. All we get is some people. Notice it doesn't say Pastor Wright came and begged Jesus. It doesn't say Deacon Jones came in and prayed and asked Jesus for a miracle. It doesn't say team leader so-and-so. It doesn't say Mr. Wilkerson, Dr. Johnson, Mrs. So-and-so. No, that's not how God works. God is not looking for people who want titles. God is looking for some people who want to get done with this life and have a testimony. Have something to talk about. Have something to say. 
I, I don't want to collect titles on this earth. I want to finish this life with a testimony. I watched God work firsthand. I saw him move. I witnessed his wonder-working power. He gets all the glory. I walk in anonymity if I need it. That's what, God, that's what the bricklayer's offering is all about, by the way. The bricklayer's offering on the 13th is about some people. Who? You and me. Not giving for fame, not giving for title, but it's just some people that would say, you know what? We want to bring people to Jesus. You want to know why we're giving? We're giving to bring people to Jesus. You want to know why we want to get a building? It's to bring people to Jesus. You want to know why we want to build VU College? It's to bring people to Jesus. We're bringing people to Jesus. That's what we're doing. I'm not looking for another title. I'm willing to be some people. Some people. I think when the history books are written about Voo Church, it's not going to be names. It's going to be some people in Miami in 2020 just cried out and begged Jesus, would you, would you touch him? Would you heal him? Would you bless him? I don't want us to live for titles. I want us to live for a testimony that my life would end. And I would say, I have witnessed firsthand the miraculous power of Jesus. And the scripture says they begged Jesus to, to touch him. Now, if you're not careful, you will read that line in the text and you'll just think that's just kind of just casual or just kind of normal, but you might miss the radical appeal that they are making to Jesus. Um, Understand that in this culture, in this time period, 2,000 years ago, Middle Eastern culture, Judaism being the set religion that of who he's ministering to, the idea of physical blindness was connected to spiritual brokenness. What, what this means is, is that this man who's blind is also considered socially and culturally a sinner. Someone who has fallen from God's grace, somebody who has done something that has displeased God, therefore his physical attribute of blindness is a sign of his spiritual brokenness. And because of that, regular rabbis didn't go around touching sinners. (laughs) It was illegal. You don't touch a sinner. It would make you unclean. However, (laughs) Jesus is not a regular rabbi. Jesus is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. He stepped out of his divinity and he wrapped himself up in humanity so that he might come and touch every broken, messy area of your life. And may I encourage you today that whatever Jesus touches, he always transforms. Anybody thankful that you've been touched by God? Can anybody testify? Come on, Silver Spot. Come on, YouTube. Come on, Instagram. Come on, anybody thankful that you've been touched by God today? He's still touching people. He touched me. He changed me. When Jesus touched me, he transformed me. He took the messiest areas of my life. He took the most broken and dysfunctional, the areas that I was ashamed of, and he transformed it. I remember five years ago when we launched the church, we were in our first year uh, in one location doing lots of services at JDD. And 
back then especially, we were just beginning and everything mattered and everything was crunch time and everything was hinging upon servant leaders. There was very few people on staff and it was just run by people who loved Jesus and loved his church. And I remember in one particular case, our parking team at the time was really struggling. We were really trying to build it up. It was difficult. I mean, there's nothing sexy about being on the parking team, especially here in Miami. The weather is a little bit what we call unpredictable. It's not just hot, it's hot, hot. It doesn't just rain, it rain rains, you know, like you just don't get a lot of just, you know, moderation with our weather. And I remember we were trying really hard to recruit people in the parking lot. And so a lot of that first year, I would find myself preaching multiple services, but I would, I would do my best to get out into the parking team, really to try to build morale, to try to encourage people, to try to lift people's spirits, to try to model what it was that we were looking for. I don't believe that you can just see a culture. I think you have to actually be a culture first. And so I'd get out there. I always loved it, just get out there and be with the team. But I also loved it because you could find out who, who came late to church, you know? <laughs> I, we got to figure out a way that we can discover who's late to church, Adrian, because it's, it's hard with YouTube. It's like, oh, I saw the YouTube. Like, I watched it on Tuesday. It's like, oh, but we all gathered on Sunday, you know? But people would drive in. It was funny. I remember one day, I'll never forget this moment. I'm, I'm, I'm in the parking lot and this older woman, she comes into the parking lot and it's probably about a good 15 minutes into service. And when she sees that I'm in the parking lot, she, she gets excited and she gets pumped up. And so she, she drives over to where I'm at. She rolls down her window and she just starts like going off. She just starts praising God. She just starts testifying. And we just start having fun with her. We're having a blast. We're just, she just talks. I love this church. Jesus changed my life. And literally, there was like more parking lot workers. They all came around and we're all talking to this woman. We're laughing, laughing. And I'll never forget it because she looks at me. She goes, Pastor Rich, I just want to let you know, last week, you touched me. I said, excuse me, ma'am, what did you just say? And she, she wouldn't stop. She just, she just, it's like the Holy Spirit came on. She says, I want to let you know, you touched me last week. Oh, Pastor Rich, you touched me. And she, I was like, okay, enough of that. You know, she just kept saying that over and over again. Everyone's around like, what do you mean? And I said, I said, ma'am, respectfully, no, I did not. I did not touch you last week, but I know who did. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. His word is still powerful and effective, and he's still touching people today. Come on, anybody thankful? He didn't leave you in your shame. He didn't leave you in your brokenness. He didn't leave you in your heartache. He touched you in order to transform you. And where he touches me, he does not leave me. He takes me on a journey takes me on a journey. I just wonder, is there some people, is there some people over the next four weeks that would say, this life is not about my name or about my fame or about my accolade or about my title. This life is about me bringing people to Jesus. So why? So he can touch them. So he can transform them. Jesus touches us to take us on a journey. I'm I'm gaining gradually. I'm gaining gradually. It's just, it's just a gradual gain. You can't even see it while it's happening, but I'm growing right now. I'm getting better right now. I'm becoming right now. It says in verse 23 that Jesus, he, after he, after he touches him, he, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. I want you to see this. They come, they beg, 
And then Jesus, he, he takes the man by the hand and leads him outside the village. Someone say outside the village. Outside. He takes him outside of the village. I want you to see this. Jesus doesn't heal the man right away. They bring him to Jesus, but Jesus, no, he grabs him by the hand and he leads him outside the village. I think this is very, very important that you catch this today. Because in a world that is so fast-paced, in a world that looks at faith like consumerism, when a world that we look at God like a microwave or like a genie, do it right now, God. This is my third week in church and you still haven't done it yet. I read my Bible every day this week and I still don't have miracles. I want you to see the significance of what Jesus is doing because I believe Jesus is serving the man in such a special, sacred, significant way. You say, Rich, what is he doing? I believe that Jesus is leading him outside of the village because before he touches his physical sight, he wants to transform his spiritual sight. See, it's better to be blind walking with Jesus than to see and go alone. Someone needs that today. Someone needs to hear that today. It doesn't mean that you got everything in your life put back together. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect in your life. But if Jesus is leading you, it is better to be blind, being led by Jesus than to walk in this life full sight all alone. Jesus is leading him because Jesus is getting ready, I believe, to restore his spiritual sight first. Before he touches his physical sight, Jesus is saying, I want to establish your spiritual sight. What is spiritual sight? Spiritual sight is summed up in one word, faith. Faith. What is faith? Faith is the ability to see the unseen. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Well, what's the point of faith? Is, do we have faith so we can get miracles? Is faith about getting physical sight? Is faith about making sure my back pain goes away? Is faith about getting more money in my bank account? Is faith about getting a bigger house? Is faith about getting a promotion at job? Faith can contribute to those things, but that is not the point of faith. The point of faith is to follow Jesus when you can't see. God gives me faith to follow. Someone say faith to follow. follow. Someone say faith to follow. follow. Jesus cares more about establishing this man's internal sight than he does about repairing this man's external sight. And so Jesus takes him by the hand and says, come with me. I want to take you outside of the village. I cannot establish for you nearly enough about how important environment is to positive change. I, I, I can't stress it enough for people that are watching right now. You, you, will have, you have no idea the power of your environment. And I don't know what it is about the village. I can't all the way explain to you if there was something bad in the village. All I know is, is that Jesus, before he heals this man, he wants to change his atmosphere. Before he does this great thing. He wants to remove him from the place that he has been and he wants to take him to a new place. What is the new place? Jesus wants to take him to a place that he is alone with him. Some of the most powerful things that Jesus will ever do in your life is when you are alone with him. And he has to take you outside of the village. It's in silence that God speaks the loudest. 
It's in silence that God speaks the loudest. And Jesus says, before I do this thing, I want to establish faith. And for me to establish faith, you can't be around anyone else for a moment. You need to be alone with me. I'm gonna change the atmosphere on you. I wanna speak loudly to you and I need a quiet place. I need an intimate place. You know, every morning I wake up and I have my traditions and my rituals. We did a collection of talks this year called Day by Day. And the idea being that what you do daily determines who you become permanently. And so for me, prayer and meditation is a part of my daily routine. I think everybody should have a prayer closet. I think everyone should have a place that they get alone with God. Mine just happens to be the shower. I don't know what it is. I think the running water just calms me down. But man, I'm telling you what, I I encounter Jesus every morning in the shower. You don't have to judge my prayer closet. It's my prayer closet and Jesus will meet you anywhere you invite him into. It could be your car. It could be your office. It could be a chair. I don't know. You just got to create a place to meet with him. But I want to encourage you today. The reason why I take time alone with Jesus every morning is not so I can get up on a stage and recite my spiritual superiority. The reason why I must get alone with Jesus is not for spiritual superiority, but rather for spiritual survival. So many of us today, we've never gone outside of the village. I want to encourage you. You don't need God's presence simply on Sunday. I'm telling you what, that's, I don't need to just access God's presence in the studio, on a stage, with other people in a corporate setting. I'll tell you when you need to access God's presence, it's when your life is falling apart. You need to access God's presence when your marriage is barely hanging on. You better know how to access God's presence when your kids are running from Jesus. You need to access God's presence when all of a sudden you've lost your job, when all of a sudden all of the things that you thought you could count on have failed you. You need to know how to access God's presence when the doctor walks in and says, it's cancer and it's terminal. I don't know about you, but that's when I have to go outside the village. That's when I have to get alone with Jesus. That's when I have to walk not by sight, but I must walk by faith. I must walk by faith. I must walk by faith. I need faith. Faith for what? Faith for miracles? No faith to follow Jesus. Some of you out there, the whole reason why you have faith is so you can get stuff from God. But that's not why we have faith. It's not to get stuff from God. It's to walk with God. I have faith that I might walk with him even when I'm blind, even when I'm broken, even when I'm hurting, even when I'm suffering, even when it's not all working out in my favor. I have faith. And Jesus cares much more about that than he does in establishing physical eyesight. He he leads him to this place. And look what it says as it picks up in verse 23. It says that Jesus, when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? Do you see anything? Now, what's incredible about the Mark 8 account is that as you read the Gospels, we can discover seven different accounts of blind men being healed by Jesus. Here's what's fascinating. All seven of those accounts, Jesus does the miracle differently. (laughs) In Mark chapter 8, he leads the man outside of the village, doesn't heal him immediately, gets him to a place where he's alone, and then he spits in the man's face. This is strange. How bad do you really want to get healed? (laughs) Jesus spits on the man's eyes. But as I read the story, I simply wonder to myself, I wonder if this blind man in Mark chapter eight had heard the other stories of others being healed. 
And I wonder as he's walking with Jesus, if he was disappointed. I wonder if he was frustrated. I wonder if he was slightly offended. I've heard of all the other stories. I've heard of you healing other men of blinded eyes, but you did it quickly and you did it immediately. How come I am walking, but I'm still not seeing? I wonder if you feel that way. I wonder, I wonder if you're walking, you go, but what? I've been walking for a lot of years, Rich, and I'm still not seeing. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I wonder if the man was honestly going, yo, everyone else, their miracle came quickly, but mine seems to be going slowly. See, there's people right now in this studio. There's people right now listening to this by way of podcasts. You're listening by way of Instagram or YouTube, all of these different platforms. And what's happening to you in life is that you're looking around at so many other people that you've been doing life with. And as you look at their life, you're saying, man, it seems like God developed them quickly or God called them and is doing a great work in establishing them and rooting them and they're growing and flourishing. But when I look at my life, I feel stunted. I feel delayed. I'm wondering what's going on here. When will it happen for me? Why hasn't it happened yet? But I wonder today, I wonder if you're asking the wrong question. Maybe the question is not, has it happened yet? Maybe the question is, uh, maybe he's going to do it another way. Maybe it hasn't happened yet that way. Maybe it's never going to happen that way. Maybe this God that we serve is so intimately acquainted with you that he knows exactly what you need before you have ever asked. And maybe he's going to do this miracle. He's going to do this phenomenal thing, but it's going to be a part of a process and it's going to be absolutely defined and detailed just for you. Maybe it's never going to happen like it's happened for other people, but maybe, just maybe, God has a perfect plan for your story. You know, you read so many scriptures in the Bible, and not everybody was healed right there in Jesus' presence. Some were healed on the way. I like that. So whether you, I, I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. I believe right now a silver spot, God's presence is here. I believe in our studio, on YouTube. You could be watching this two years later from now. God exists outside of time, and he is a healer. And whether you get healed right now or you get healed on the way, come on, baby, I believe in an afterlife and an eternal life. It's going to happen. It's who he is. But notice Jesus, he asked him this question. He says, do you see anything? And friends, I think Jesus is always asking this question. What do you see? Not just with your physical eyes, but what do you see in the spirit? What do you see for the future? Jesus' greatest frustration, I could argue this for days, on the earth was over and over again, he was trying to get people to see what he could see. In fact, it's the mark of almost every great leader that they are determined to get others to see what they see. Get a concordance. Look up the word see. Jesus is like, why can't you see, guys? He's, he's constantly upset with his disciples. He's frustrated because every leader is trying to get people to see what they see. That's what last week was all about at Vu Church. I want you to see what it is that I am seeing. Why? Because vision is so important. Vision gives pain purpose. What do you see? If you see something, you can endure the pain. Vision creates passion. You know why I wake up every morning excited about life? It's not because everything around me is going right. It's because I have a vision for tomorrow. And the vision creates passion and ambition and drive. Vision sets your direction. So what do you see today? 
Jesus wants to know, what do you see? Where you are headed is so much more important than where you have been. So what do you see? He asked this man, what do you see? And the scripture says in verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. I want you to, I really want this to sink in for some people because some of you, like, if you're just, you're just going to get a sermon if you don't actually lean into this. People brought the man. They begged, hey, heal our friend. They brought the man. But now as they brought the man, Jesus, he doesn't heal the man right there. Instead, he grabs the man and he walks him outside of the village. He still can't see. Gets him outside of the village and then Jesus spits on the man. Touches him. What do you see? And the man says, I see people and they look like trees. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, he still isn't healed. Some miracles don't happen in the moment. Some miracles are a process. What do you see? I see people and they look like trees. Scholars have questioned the reason why he saw people that look like trees. And some have decided and believed that really it's because Jesus had reestablish his spiritual sight. And now this man is looking through spiritual lenses and he's seeing people in a metaphorical way of how they are designed to live life. That we should be like trees. The scripture says that we are trees planted by living water. That if you think about a tree, a tree doesn't grow overnight. A tree grows over time. It starts in a seed format and it begins to grow. But as it grows, it puts roots down and it's strong and it's sturdy and it's unshakable. My friend, in Christ Jesus, we are trees. We are not grass. The grass withers, the grass fades, wind blows it to the side. But a tree, it might bend, but it does not break. You and I are called to be trees and not grass. But personally, I read it, and I'm just so much more practical. (laughs) I read it and say the reason why the people look like trees is because he still couldn't see clearly. His vision was still blurred. He he couldn't actually see things for what they were. And so he saw in part and he saw in confusion and he saw in a blurred vision. I see people and they look like trees. What it tells us, or at least the argument that we must make or we must consider is if this man was born blind, how does he know what trees look like and how does he know what people look like? Our most logical conclusion is that this man was not born blind, but rather this man somewhere along the way had lost his sight. Never having something is far different from having something and losing it. I don't know who you are that's watching today. I don't know what it is that you feel like you've lost. I don't know what it is that you actually have lost. Maybe you have lost your vision. Maybe you have lost your imagination. Maybe you have lost your wonder of this life. Maybe you've lost your belief. Maybe you've lost your calling. Maybe you've lost your dreams. Maybe you've lost your purpose. Can I encourage you today? In Christ Jesus, you can get it back today. You can get it back. Jesus cares about what it is that you've lost. 
Jesus is patient and Jesus loves and Jesus is here with gradual gains and the man has walked out of his village and the man has sat with Jesus alone and the man has been spat on, the man has been touched and still he can only see in part. But I believe that restoration is coming. It's just coming gradually. It's just coming in small gains. I believe if you feel like you've lost something today in Christ Jesus, you can get it back. You say, how rich? How do I get it back? You get it back because we serve a once more God. For verse 25 says, once more, once more, Jesus, he touched the man and put his hands on the man's eyes. Once more. Everyone just say once more. more. Just say say once more. more. See, we serve the once more God. How can I know that I can get it back? Because you serve a God who goes once more. When I was growing up, I was, grew up in a strong Pentecostal home and uh, I grew up in real church where you couldn't sleep in church. If you were sleeping, someone would call you out. You couldn't talk in church. My dad called me up on the stage a couple times. Saw me talking in the crowd. Rich, why don't you sit up here with me? That'd be better for you. But in the church that I grew up in, we had real altar calls. Meaning at the end of every message, there was an opportunity for you to surrender, for you to repent. And I would get up out of my chair and I'd have to walk down that big, long center aisle. I'd have to come to the front. I'd bow down. The whole church would see me and I'd get alone with God and say, God, forgive me. Something about walking away from where you were to where you want to be, that makes all the difference. I can tell you that there's so many times where I was convicted by the spirit. You ever been there before? (laughs) Where it's like, there's a man on the stage or a woman on the stage and they're talking, but it's not, you don't hear them. There's something else happening. There's, it's hearts beating, palms sweating. It's not an Eminem song. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I can remember sitting in my chair so guilty, so full of shame, knowing that I'd been running from God, knowing that I'd been rebelling. And I would find myself going, God, I can't walk back down there again. God, I can't do that again. I mean, how many more chances are you going to give? Some people talk about having a one-time moment with Jesus and it was all changed forever. Now, bro, your boy here responded to like 98,000 altar calls. And maybe you're sitting here today going, but God, I've squandered so much. God, I've given up so many times and God, I've walked away and God, I've done things willfully and God, I've, I've moved past your will. There's no way you got any more grace for me, but God always responds. You want to know how many more chances I have? Once more. Once more, I want to touch you. Once more, I want to meet you. Once more, I want my grace to invade your life. I am so thankful that God, he comes and he finds me in my broken state. God comes and he finds me in my blindness. He comes and he finds me in my shame. And he says, I'm here once more. This is grace. This is the good news that you cannot exhaust his grace. If you are breathing, if you are standing, if you are living, there is a once more grace for you. Once more, he can meet you. 
once more he can touch you. Once more he can restore you. And the scripture says that once more he put his hands on the man. And the scripture says in verse 25, then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. His eyes were restored. That word restored means to bring it back to its original state. Just in case you're joining us for the very first time and you don't know the message of Vu Church, we serve a God and his name is Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission. What was his mission? His mission was restoration, that he wanted to restore all of humanity, the entire earth, back to its original state, all the way in Genesis chapter three, before this thing called sin brought about sickness, brought about shame, brought about, brought about blindness. He wants to restore, reestablish. That's what he came. He is a restorer. It's interesting when you restore something. Because almost anything that you restore doesn't happen overnight. I have a friend, he flips houses, he goes and he buys these old houses, and then he goes and he, he restores them. And then after he's restored them, the value shoots back up to its original value, and he's able to sell them. It's his business. But if you were to sit down with my friend and say, well, what's the process? He would say, oh man, depends on how bad that house is. But when I get that house, more often than not, in order for me to restore it, I have to gut it. I have to deconstruct it. I have to break it apart. I have to rip out some of the stuff that's old. I got to rip out some of the mindsets. I got to rip out some of the thinking. I got to rip out the toxicity. I got to rip out the insecurity. I got to rip out the shame. I got to rip out the guilt. I got to rip out the mistakes. I got to rip out the consequences. I have to deconstruct it in order to restore it. And restoration rarely happens overnight. Real restoration tends to happen over time. Gradually, gain by gain, little by little. I was reading Eugene Peterson's message translation. Eugene Peterson wrote the Bible or he translated the Bible into a paraphrase or into layman's terms. And as he gets to Mark chapter eight, what he says about the man is he says that Jesus, as he placed his hands on him once more, the man's eyesight came back to 2020 vision. I don't know about this year 2020. But if there is one thankful thing I have about the year 2020 is that the year 2020 has brought about 2020 spiritual vision. That sometimes things have to shake and sometimes things have to be deconstructed and sometimes some pain has to hit our life and sometimes some suffering has to hit our life and sometimes we got to face some hurdles but I'm telling you what it's giving you a new perspective I'm telling you what it's giving you new sight I'm telling you what you're seeing things in the spiritual oh not everything around me is going good today there's a lot of things that are coming down around me but I can testify boldly and clearly that what's taking place on the inside of me is that Jesus Christ is establishing and restoring my faith in him. Faith to follow him. Faith to follow him. It's called a gradual gain, a gradual gain, a gradual gain. He's given you faith to follow. He's given you faith to follow. He's opening your eyes. He's restoring you. He's bringing you back to your original state. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Don't give up now. You are growing. You just can't see it yet. Jesus heals this man. And this is where I got to close, but I've just been thinking about it for the last two weeks. 
Scripture says that his eyesight was restored and he could see clearly in verse 26. Thought about calling the whole message this little line. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. I don't know what it is about this village and Jesus. We don't know why he doesn't want him to go back to the village. It's important that preachers clarify that. We have no idea what it was about that village, but the fact that we see it twice in the text and the fact that Jesus gives a specific command, do not go back to the village, makes me believe that we can't just bypass it too quickly. It makes me believe that we can't just skip over it, but we have to lean into it and discover, is there a lesson for you and I? I do know this. I know that many times people get healed and the moment they get healed, they go right back to the place that hurt them. I do know that some people get set free, yet the moment they get set free, they run back to the place that caused all the shame to begin with. I, I know that there's some people right now that, man, you honestly, like, you honestly stepped into the light. But somehow we're drawn to go back to the darkness. I want to say today, don't go back to the village. Don't, don't, don't go back to the village. Don't go back to the place where it all started. I don't know why Jesus said, don't go back to the village. I don't know if something bad happened there. I don't know if there was trauma there. I don't know if there was toxicity there. I don't know what bad thing happened there. In fact, if I read the text correctly, I can only discover that something good happened there. I can only discover that that's the place and the people that brought the man to Jesus. So why would Jesus say, don't go back to the village? I wonder, Lay, if Jesus says, don't go back to the village, not because the village is bad, but maybe it's just as simple as because of the fact that the village is big. Big? Yeah. I've learned that gradual miracles are no place for the masses. I've learned that audiences, they don't show up for practice. I've learned that crowds, they don't gather backstage. Arenas, they don't celebrate the process. Arenas cheer for the performance. And had this man gone directly back to the village, I believe that this man would have encountered the immediate hype of the village and the immediate hype would have robbed the gradual gain of the lesson learned. So many of us, we overvalue the immediate miracle and underestimate the gradual gains. And I believe this man, had he gone right back, it wouldn't have been bad. It's just that this big crowd always is drawn to the big result and the big thing. And they go to the external thing and they applaud and they cheer. And here's what happens, friend. Whatever you celebrate gets repeated. And Jesus is saying, I know getting your eyesight is big, but I did something far bigger than that in your life. And if you go back to the wrong well, the wrong well will celebrate the wrong thing. And the thing I want to celebrate is not that you got eyesight. The thing I want you to celebrate is that you have gained faith in me. I wonder if we could build a community. I wonder if we could build a big church 
that shows up for practice, that stands back and say, wow, I wonder what God's doing here. I wonder if we can find some people that would step back and say, we're excited about seed. We're excited about water. We're excited about sunlight. We don't control the growth. It's Jesus who brings about the increase. I wonder if we could build a place that would say, we're gonna celebrate the gradual gain, the gradual gain, the little by little, like Tolkien said, little by little, you can go far. And little by little is how you build a life. And little by little is how you actually track this faith journey. And little by little is how you build a healthy church. And little by little is how you build an organization. And little by little is how a dream comes about. And little by little is how your purpose is found. And little by little is how you build a marriage. And little by little is how you raise godly kids. And little by little is how you track on the journey. I wonder, is there anybody in this place today that would say, I'm growing gradually. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.